All right, guys, life can get hectic really fast. It feels like there's no time and we're always on the go. When you get overwhelmed with life's daily tasks, responsibilities, and unexpected challenges, important things like our health tend to fall to the wayside. Well, my friend, Healthy Cell is here to make taking care of yourself a priority. Healthy Cell makes getting back in the driver's seat much easier. They have an innovative approach to the pill format by using this awesome gel. This vitamin-packed, nutrient-dense gel can be taken by itself, mixed in your drink, or blended with your morning smoothie. Healthy Cell offers supplement packs to enhance your performance, focus, and well-being. Take control of your mental, physical, and physiological health with Healthy Cell. If this is something that you've been thinking about implementing, tap this episode, scroll to our show notes, and click the link for significant savings today. All right, click that link to support your health and our mission today. Now, enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome to Direct Impact, where we discuss the various ways our mental health and quality of life intersect. I'm your host, Andrea Epstein, licensed professional counselor, master's addictions counselor, and certified sex therapist. Think of our time together as focused self-reflection mixed with insight, passion, and empowerment. Now, take a deep breath. Now let's dive in and see what impacts you today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Andrea Epteen, and you are listening to the Direct Impact Podcast, where we explore all the many, many, many ways that we might enhance our mental health and leave a positive and life-giving impact in our wake. You are in for a treat, listeners. We've got Lisa Sugarman with us today, and she is a parenting author and a nationally syndicated columnist, a podcast host, and a survivor of suicide loss, losing her dad, Jim, at the age of 10. She's also a passionate advocate for mental health awareness and suicide prevention, and she is a crisis, a crisis counselor at Oh, with the Trevor Project supporting LGBTQIA Youth in Crisis, which is just amazing, an amazing organization. Uh, welcome, Lisa. Oh, thank you, Andrea. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah. And just, if you will, for our audience, just kind of elaborate on what you're working on, what you do, what you're so passionate about. And, yeah. um, and thanks again for being here. Sure. No, no. This is all my pleasure for sure. Um, I I do a lot of different things, like you said, all kind of within that greater mental health space. Uh, my personal focus is suicide awareness and prevention because of my background, losing my dad, like you said. And it's really been the catalyst for kind of a completely new direction that my career and I guess passions and content have all gone in the past in the past, I would say two years in particular. So I've been a mm-hmm. I've been a writer for a very long time, for most of my adult life, and have written in different spaces, newspapers and magazines, and PR and marketing and all sorts of different things. And most recently, columnist and and writing books and whatnot. But now everything is kind of shifted into a different bucket, and it's that mental health bucket. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's kind of driven me to want to make a lot of 
meaningful purpose out of the pain that that I have in my background and my story. So it's what motivated me to become a crisis counselor with Trevor Project. And also I'm in training right now working with Samaritans to be a grief counselor for one of their local Boston area. I'm in here in Boston, uh, Massachusetts-based suicide survivor grief group Mm -hmm. that's open to anyone. Um, I'm also a storyteller with the National Alliance on Mental Illness. So I'm kind of popping around. I'm popping around everywhere trying to find ways to collaborate and make an impact in the best way I can. That's it. That's the word. And that's what we're all about here is making a direct and lasting impact through the passion. And, you know, I've mentioned it before, but our passion can give meaning to our past experiences. And that's what you said. Like I'm finding passion. I'm finding meaning Mm -hmm. from your loss, from your trauma, from your experience. And I know we were talking before we hit record and like both of us have had this beautiful gift and opportunity through our trauma Mm -hmm. to do that. You and I both are survivors um, of suicide loss. You lost your father at a very young age, Mm -hmm. and I lost my baby brother five years ago to suicide. And um, we've both been able to experience that, go through that, grieve it, and use it Mm -hmm. in such a positive way. And, and, And I know all of our listeners who've experienced unwanted things in their life, you know, they're looking to find meaning too. Yeah. And, you know, it's so different for everyone. It's so situational and it really has so much to do with where you've been, what you've gone through, at what point you are mm-hmm. in, in our case, in our grief. I don't know if I could have done what I'm doing now when I learned about my dad's mm-hmm. suicide. And, and I'm not sure if you know, or if we talked about this the last time we chatted, but I've lost my dad twice, which has mm. been kind of a, a unique T- and unusual experience. Yeah. Tell me about that. So I lost my dad. Like you said, I was very young. I was 10 years old. It was a couple of weeks after my 10th birthday, no signs or signals or issues really pointing to any kind of illness or crisis or anything that was happening. And So it was very, very sudden. And I'm an only child. I was very much a daddy's girl. He was my buddy. I was his buddy. He was my person. Mm. And so when my my mother discovered him, she, of course, discovered him. And the note that was along with him so knew that it was a suicide. And in that moment made that kind of game time decision said, you know, I have to tell my child that her person is gone how can I possibly tell that 10 year old human that her father took his own life, chose to leave? Because that's, I mean, that when you're, you're 10, that's how you assimilate it. That's how your brain takes it in. Like that was, he did that. So he made that choice. And I mean, there, we were talking about the late 1970s. Nobody was talking about suicide. Nobody was talking about mental health. Nobody was openly broadcasting that they were seeking mental health Mm -hmm. support. So there just weren't resources available for her, let alone for me as a little kid. So she kind of rewrote the narrative in that moment. And my dad, in as much as he was an outdoorsman and super, super athletic and fit and healthy, he was also a really big smoker. So it kind of wasn't too much of a stretch to say, 
daddy had a heart attack Mm -hmm. and it was something I wouldn't question. And it was something that sounded like it made sense. And so that became a narrative for that was the narrative. That Mm -hmm. was it for 35 Mm -hmm. years. Wow. uh, Yeah. Yeah. It came out. I, I learned about his suicide very much by accident because of a conversation with a relative who happened to just uh, we crossed paths and she asked me if my own two children who are now 23 and 26, but at the time were teenagers, she asked if they had any of the same mental illness my dad had. And I didn't know what she was talking about. And it just kind of led to this longer, deeper conversation with my mom, not, not wondering about suicide, never even questioning that, but it, started kind of the ball rolling and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. without even knowing I was going to ask the question one day, I just asked if he was depressed and she did say yes. And then I, before I even knew I was saying it, I asked her if he had taken his life and she said, yes. And it was in that moment. This was 10 years ago now, that moment, everything kind of imploded and blew apart for me. And I lost him all over again. And now I was a grown up, and I was married and I had children and I, was at a completely different point in my life and had to regrieve that all over again. So, so the, the journey has been a little bit of a unique one for me. Yeah, absolutely. I so appreciate you sharing that aspect of it and that it was multiple losses Hmm. because in my office where I sit with my clients, that is not an uncommon story. Hmm. They talk about the loss of a parent, and then they talk about the date they found out that their parents suicided. Yeah. And I so appreciate you sharing this on the podcast because there are so many listeners out there that are either questioning how to communicate that type of loss Mm -hmm. to children. And there's also people listening who are like wondering if that could have been the way they lost their parent. Mm -hmm. So could you share a little bit more about how that impacted you and, and what even would you recommend um, a parent to do? Yeah, of course, of course. And, and also too, thank you right back for just, you know, giving me the space and the, the comfort level to, to -hmm. share that. So for me, in my case, I have never felt since I learned the truth of my dad's suicide, I've never for a single second felt any kind of resentment or anger. I get to ask that a lot. So in mm-hmm, case you're what in case you're wondering, <laughs> I never felt and I'm talking about anger and resentment toward my mom for keeping okay. for keeping that secret because look, I was 10 years old. And in this ironically and sadly was not my first experience with suicide because about a year before my father took his life, of course, I didn't know he had taken his life, of course, when I was 10. Mm -hmm. But when I was nine, my cousin, who was at the time 18 and lived probably a thousand yards from my house diagonally, he took his life. And Mm -hmm. my parents, and this kind of speaks to the question, how do you even communicate that to a child? So I was nine years old and my cousin took his life and my parents were fairly honest with me in as much as they could be in an age appropriate way mm-hmm. with how uh, kind of instinctively without like a whole world of language that we have right now and resources, they kind of pieced it together and just said, listen, he was troubled. He, his, his mind was sick. I mean, you know, used all the appropriate language that I would always 
default to today if I were in the same situation. And so I had had my own experiences with that prior to my dad dying, which is interesting because it was that experience losing my cousin that actually kind of started to create my own belief system around suicide. And I had a very different belief system around it then than I do now. And that belief lasted for decades for me. I really felt I felt like suicide was a selfish thing, which is a very, very common feeling and response to suicide. And I just, I couldn't kind of get my little mind around it at the time when I was young. And I just kind of internalized that as I grew up. And I really just felt like it was a very selfish act. And it was only probably 10 years ago when I learned about my dad and really just, just kind of threw myself into the pool, you know, just reading everything, devouring everything, every interview, every TED talk, every video, article, book I could read to just like understand you know, mm. understand the mindset. And, you know, in doing that, my own experience and having a, a child, having two children who have had mental illness, depression and anxiety have been in therapy and, and what they've gone through, it completely almost overnight changed the way that I felt. And I, it was such a simple change. Mm -hmm. It's an illness that mm -hmm. needs to be treated and it's not something to be blamed it's not a four. It's not something uh, that's that should be thought of in a negative way. That's why we shouldn't say committed suicide because of the connotation of that word. So it's it just really just had a total mind shift, and and mm -hmm. it kind of started me on the path to where I am now, which is really just to do everything in my power with my story and my own lived experience and my experience as a counselor and advocate to just talk as often as I can to whoever will listen. Hey, listen up. You don't want to miss out on this. Wise Mind Enterprises and Lightning in a Bottle Digital Courses are offering direct impact listeners deep discounts of up to 25% on their course offerings. Say what? 25%? That's right, Edward. Just visit www.lightninginabottle.biz backslash courses to pre-order and save big. These courses are carefully curated with you in mind. Hey, Madison, did you know Lightning in a Bottle works with credentialed licensed professional psychotherapists to create life-giving content that is sure to make an impact? I did, and I'm super excited about their new courses. Me too. New digital courses include The Antidote to Reactive Living, Healing Body Betrayal, Escaping the Perfectionism Paradox, Essential Truths to Support Your Recovery, just to name a few, and with more life-enhancing courses coming down the pipeline. And if 25% savings still leaves you on the fence, well, how about this? The first 20 people to pre-order will receive 50% off a second course of their choosing. I don't know about you, but I need at least two of those courses. So visit www.lightninginabottle.biz backslash courses today and enter the promo code IMPACT to receive massive savings on valuable courses. Oh, side note, Lightning in a Bottle offers more than just courses. They offer a recovery and life enhancement community, and they are always interested in hearing from you. If one of these courses didn't resonate with you, well, let them know what you're looking for on your journey because your voice is valued and vital. Alrighty, my friends, pre-order or engage with Lightning in a Bottle at www.lightninginabottle.biz. Invest in you today, and don't forget your promo code IMPACT. One of the things that I'm hearing is how strong our beliefs can be mm -hmm. until something happens, you know, up yeah. close and personal and interpersonally that forces us 
to confront those beliefs and mm-hmm. question them, right? Yeah. And then also how strong our narratives can be and how our world can get rocked when that narrative has changed. Oh, yeah. I mean, it rewrote everything for me in, in that split second of hearing that truth. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it blew everything completely apart, which is interesting, too, because it did, but it didn't. It did change so much, but yet it changed nothing at all about the memories that I had or right. the, the, the love I know I had for my father and he had for me and all those pieces. So I had to find my way back to that. And that was a long road. Yeah. Yeah. It was a long road. Um, I'd love to take an opportunity to confront some of those beliefs about suicide. Mm. You named one of them already, which is as a selfish act. What's a what's another thing that you can think of, and 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 how would you um, challenge that? Um, I think that that we have to that we have to stay silent mm. for fear of for fear of upsetting other people or putting our trauma onto a place or to a person where it it isn't welcome. I think that it's so critically important for us to share our fears and our beliefs and our stories and our, our, our wins just along with our losses. Like it's, it's Mm -hmm. that it's so important. And I think that we're all our own worst enemy in a lot of ways, because we're afraid to say the things that really need to be said. Like we're afraid Mm -hmm. to do the hard things. Mm -hmm. We really are. Mm -hmm. And The irony in that is that once we do the hard thing or the thing that we think is the hard thing, nine times out of 10, you'll look back and say, what the hell was I so worried about? Why was I so fearful of that? What did I think was going to happen? So that is definitely something that that I would challenge. The other thing I, I would absolutely challenge, and the mental health industry as a whole is really like pushing this, especially in the the world of suicide awareness, is that if there is someone in your life who you believe is struggling, who you believe is in crisis, and you think that person may be ha- thinking suicidal thoughts, having those ideations or feelings, or they're they're pulling back and withdrawing, whatever gives you that vibe, mm-hmm. people's perception is, well, I can't, I can't say anything to them directly about that because that's going to push them to do the thing. That's yeah. going to push them to, you know to make that final decision, that is so incredibly untrue. And Andrea, like, I know you know this, but it's so- It's a very faulty belief. It is. And it's a dangerous belief because Mm -hmm. one of the most powerful things that any of us can ever do for anybody who is in crisis like that and struggling, especially having suicidal ideations or has a plan, is to say to them and using these words or similar words, are you thinking of killing yourself? That is going to have the exact opposite impact on them that we think intuitively it's going to. It's not going to make them do the thing. It's going to keep them from doing the thing. Absolutely. So that's it's- another thing I would challenge. Say the say the words, address the issue, be direct and straightforward. I love the phrase, name it to tame it. Yes. Name yes. it. You know, give it the attention that it mm-hmm. deserves. And I just love that. Like whether it's 
talking about sex, <laughs> whether right. it's talking about suicide, whether it's talking about anything, you are not implanting thoughts in this person's head. No. They have been plagued with them for a very long time before you attuned to it, mm -hmm. before you noticed the pain and brought some awareness to it. That is a loving and kind act. It is. It absolutely is. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that you said loving and kind. It's also incredibly validating mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. the person who's feeling these feelings or thinking these thoughts to all of a sudden have someone understand the level at which they are with those thoughts. Like it's critical mass. Thank you for seeing that it's critical mass and asking me the question and taking it seriously. That's right. So that's, right. that's you know, and all there are so many studies that, you know, are, are out there that support what we're saying right now about mm. the positive impact that that has in being direct in that way. And it certainly does. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just... For sure. If our listeners hear nothing else from this conversation but that, if you have or know or encounter somebody that intuitively you're like, okay, they're in the darkness, just mm -hmm. to be able to ask the words and show that love and that concern, like be willing, be willing to do that. Don't make up the excuse of, oh, I'm going to you know, plant something in their head and that's going to lead them to do something. That is just something that we want to go ahead and, you know, dispel. Um, I think it started as a hashtag and it's an organization. It became kind of a movement. Be the one to. Have you heard mm -hmm. of them? Mm -mm. It's B, the word B, the number one, and then the word two. Be the one to all one to. Mm -hmm together as a hashtag and the the premise of the entire hashtag is really be the one to ask the question be the one to hold the space be the one to offer the support be the one to listen so yeah that's what we're saying and that's that one thing it's i mean you you know this you know all the stats as well as i do that it takes one person like we in, in the world of um, Trevor Project, where I volunteer on the lifelines, we're constantly being told one person can listening and being there and holding space can reduce the risk of, of uh, for instance, an LGBTQ teen can reduce their risk of suicide by 40 percent. That's a humongous number it by is. one human being. Such an impact right? one human being can yep. make. Yep. And our listeners, you know, you can be that one human being that mm -hmm. saves a life, mm -hmm. that saves a precious life. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and I love that you mentioned, you know, because a, a lot of people that have experienced suicide loss, grief and loss, they do go through um, anger that comes, they experience mm. anger as part of that loss. I did not go through an anger stage in my grief and loss. And you mentioned also anger towards mom or a lack of anger towards mom. Definitely a lack of anger. There was mm -hmm. no anger mm -hmm. from me toward my mother mm -hmm. in the least bit. In fact, it was very much the opposite. Mm -hmm. Once every, yeah. Once everything mm -hmm. came out, it was very much a, uh, an overwhelming sense of gratitude for, I guess, the bullet that she took for me. She uh, kind of just threw herself on top of me for 35 years and kept me insulated from that, you know, for better or for worse. I mean, mm -hmm. I know 
you know, other people may have criticisms of that. I, I don't know, nor do I care. I just yeah. know in my case. <laughs> in your experience, I, yeah. In my experience, I am so grateful because I don't think that I could have handled that as a 10-year-old kid. Mm -hmm. It was bad enough dealing mm -hmm. with his death. What I what I did experience in terms of anger, and this was, it, maybe it's a little bit unique. I, I don't know. I have never, this is not to say that I won't, but I have never been angry at my dad. Never, ever once been angry mm -hmm. at my dad for leaving me. I was furious at my dad for a period. It was probably a couple of years, a few years initially. I was furious that he left my mom in that situation, that mm -hmm. she was working part-time as a secretary up the street at the local nursing home. So she was this, you know, part-time, you know, part-time employee, full-time mom. Um, my dad was the revenue source. So all of a sudden my mother not only had to be the mother, be the father, be the caregiver, be the financial provider. I mean, all of these things. And I was furious that he put her in that position for a long time. And that of course was mm -hmm. during that period when I still kind of felt like suicide was a selfish thing and how could you do that? But then, you know, of course, when you're when your eyes are opened and your heart is yeah. open and you realize like, no, 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 that's a, such a false narrative. It, it, my dad, my dad was sick, was mentally ill. He, he did reach out to a therapist. Maybe my mom said, I think like the last month of his life and maybe saw someone two or three times, which clearly was too little too late, but, and it was only because my mom knew that there was a lot of stress with the family business. Mm -hmm. He helped to run his family's business in addition to having his own full-time job. And it was, um, let's just say that there were a lot of very, very toxic family dynamics mm -hmm. with my dad's family mm -hmm. that I think contributed very heavily to his mental health and unwellness. All right, I wanna tell you about Brain FM. Some days our focus is stretched thin, Different sources of stimulation regularly wear on our attention. Working from home can obviously exacerbate these issues. At best, curated playlists can be a crapshoot. Whether they'll actually push you to be more productive, who knows? This is why we use Brain FM. These guys have neural phase locking audio technology and fire soundtracks that shift your neurons into focus mode. Visit brainfm.com. That's www.brainfm.com. Use the promo code Direct Impact for great discounts. That's Direct Impact with no spaces. Now, visit the link in our show notes. And I, I so appreciate, again, just the sharing of experience, sharing of stories. We understand that the people who have survived suicide loss and, and begun to process like our experiences are different. Yeah. Our relationships with the people that we've lost are different, but it's just so important to talk about it so that we can heal. Mm -hmm. And I too, I did not experience any type of anger towards my brother for ending his life or leaving this this world or leaving behind the people who loved and cared for him, not one second, but I also didn't have any type of belief that it was a choice because, you know, he had suffered greatly for a very long period of time at the hands of opioid dependency and chemical addiction mm -hmm. and his frontal lobe didn't engage for years before he 
you know, had that thought, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so, but of course I was in a very unique situation as a therapist um, when I received the information and started to grieve that loss. But again, we're all coming from unique perspectives and beliefs and operating from different narratives, but just talking about it and just being open and transparent that allows us to assign positive meaning to our experiences. Right. Right. Absolutely. And and I love that. I love what you're doing and I love what you're about. And I just feel like you deeply honor the people that we have lost when we do this. (laughs) I'm I'm sure trying. I mean, I I really am. Um, I've never been so motivated and inspired to create content and put it out into the world as I am, as I am now, you and I were talking before mm-hmm. we, we started recording about how I've just uh, been feeling so incredibly energized by the connections I'm making and the work that I'm doing and the partnerships that I'm developing with a lot of really, really big, powerful, influential organizations within this mental health space. And all it's doing is just, we're amplifying each other. We're working together and our reach becomes that much bigger the net is is cast that much wider and it just gives me so much hope that we really do have the potential i believe to eradicate suicide i really do i think that we are chipping away at it little by little and the more that we do and the more that we collaborate that's right that you know there's strength in numbers and and we need we need big numbers to really make an impact here. And it's interesting because kind of going along with that and along with like, you know, doing the work and turning the pain into purpose. I had this really interesting conversation with my mom yesterday um, about just the, the work that I'm doing and a lot of the, a lot of the relationships that I'm making. And I said, listen, I, I really just, I felt my father's energy in such a strong way. I had this really euphoric sense the uh, last couple of days because I've been doing some, I'm involved in some really exciting projects and I've just been so inspired. And I realized by talking to her that that energy that I've been feeling, which is almost like a high, mm-hmm. is him. It's mm-hmm. him. And we kind of dug a little deeper and I said, you know, I really feel like I'm, really truly feel like I'm doing this with him the work that I'm doing right now and you know my dad and I used my dad was a very avid mountaineer so I had climbed all the white mountains in the white mountain range on here on the east coast before I was 10 and it's a it's a passion of mine it's a love of mine and she said you're you guys are both climbing another mountain together Mm, and it just it just kind of exploded my heart because it's true it is true. Yeah, it is true. Yeah. So I so appreciate you sharing. And if you could just add before we sign off one call to action for our listeners, when mm-hmm. it comes to, to suicide prevention, what would be a call to action? Honestly, I would say without even hesitation, share your story, share your feelings, be vulnerable, let yourself share what's in your heart space and in your head space unapologetically mm-hmm. seek people out be transparent because doing that is 
a connector. It's a bridge. It's it's a flare gun that you fire into the air that lets everybody who's in the community that either you're in or that you're wanting to be in find you and you mm-hmm. get to find them. So I would just say, don't afraid to be vulnerable because that's how you heal. Mm. Thank you so much. And if anybody is interested in learning more about you, your website is Lisa Sugarman, L-I-S-A-H-S-U-G-A-R-M-A-N.com, mm-hmm. LisaSugarman.com. Where else can people find you if they want to learn more, listen to the podcast and all of that? Yeah, sure. Um, so I launched recently this summer a YouTube channel. And it's right. very, very similar in nature to the way that I've just redesigned my website in the past several months. I wanted it to be a destination for suicide awareness and prevention and mental health and grief and loss resources. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a really, really extensive resource page that's very unusual. It's broken down by uh, by as many categories as I could think of, uh, of people who I know would, would need mental health resources. So my YouTube channel is very similar in that way, that it's a destination for content um, interviews like this. I have lots of my old interviews um, with different mental health professionals like you. Um, I have other, uh, other content as well that, that I'm really focusing on right now, like uh, the Suicide Survivor Series, which is a series I drop of, of just a short video about 90 seconds every Monday. And it's just from the heart and the mind of a survivor. It might be about why we shouldn't say committed suicide, or it might be about the value of journaling or about the value of vulnerability. So uh, that's there too. So yeah, YouTube and Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all the places. All the places. And we're Mm going to link to those in the show notes to make sure that people can find you and all of your amazing content that you've created around this. It's just important work that you're doing. So I just wanted to say that today we've been talking to Lisa Sugarman and thank you so much, Lisa, because today you have made an amazing and direct impact. Thanks, Andrea. I, I appreciate that so much. Absolutely. Does anyone else feel like they just earned an extra brain wrinkle? Do you feel like that went by way too fast and just cannot wait till the next episode? Then leave a review and share this episode with a friend, a loved one, a coworker, or whomever, because your valued feedback makes a direct impact. Thank you for dropping in. Snaps to you because you have made a direct impact by listening to this podcast. Make sure to follow us on social media and stay tuned every week for a new episode of Direct Impact with Andrea Epstein. Here is our disclaimer and legal language. Yes, I'm a psychotherapist, but guess what? I'm not your psychotherapist, and I need to be clear that this podcast is solely for enhancement, education, and entertainment purposes only. 
It is in absolutely no way a replacement for professional counseling services. If you feel like you need additional support, we strongly encourage you to seek that out today. Have you experienced the deep hurt, headache, anger, and confusion caused by intimacy betrayal? Has your partner gone outside of the relationship to feed their sexual compulsion or medicate their inadequacies and anxieties? Do you feel isolated, rejected, deceived, and manipulated? Well, my friend, if you are answering yes and you have endured one or multiple instances of betrayal, you are not alone. Lightning in a Bottle digital course creators have developed a course for millions just like you survivors of betrayal trauma. This course is designed for those injured by infidelity and intimacy betrayal. This course is facilitated by yours truly and created to take you from the trauma of discovery into recovery. The Betrayal Trauma Foundations course will equip you with the fundamentals needed to begin the process of recovery and healing. This includes five hours of psychoeducation, independent insight exercises, continuing care resources, and more. Become part of an exclusive community dedicated to restoration and resilience. For pre-launch registration, visit www.lightninginabottle.biz backslash courses. This site and pre-registration will save you 15%. For an additional 15%, that is a total of 30% in savings today, enter the promo code IMPACT, that's I-M-P-A-C-T, to receive an additional 15% off. That's a total of 30% off in savings today. So hurry, reserve your spot, and save big.